Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author, filmmaker, and book devourer Mallory O'Mara. I'm Bria Grant, eating chocolate chips, just drop them all over the floor. Yep. This episode, we're finally talking about Harry Potter and interviewing one of the hosts of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. But first, what are you reading, Bria? I'm reading a book that I pre-ordered because I was so excited about it. Ooh. Um, called The City in the Middle of the Night by Charlie Jane Anders, hey, former hey. guest of the show. Um, it is fantastic so far. I'm not that far into it. Uh, but the premise is it's a planet in which um, half of the planet is always dark and cold and there's creatures over there and then half the planet is always light. And then there's this dusk area where a lot of the book seems to take place where they have like shutters and stuff. I think that's what's happening. Yeah. And um, it's just sort of these different classes of people living on this planet and that's sort of where I am. It opens in this very, like, violent, crazy way. And I was like, wow, I'm totally in. And I love Charlie Jane Anders. I love her writing. And so, yeah, I'm stoked to be getting into this one. Yeah, I know this is one of your big... And congratulations to Charlie Jane Anders. She hit the LA Times bestseller list. So oh, she did? So this is a big, buzzy book for oh, 2019. Cool. It just, it just came out. So if you're looking for a 2019 book I would totally suggest it so far what about you what are you reading Mallory I just started a book called The Dollhouse by Fiona Davis and so this is a historical fiction book but also like a modern mystery it's like one of those like twin POV books so uh, the half Half of the book is about this 1950s hotel in New York City, and it's like a hotel for women. So it's all like only women live there, and it's like models and secretaries and writers, and they're all new girls to the city, and they're trying to find some success. (laughs) And they have their cardboard suitcases and all that stuff, and it's about like this main character – and she is like go, wants to go to New York City for secretarial school, and she starts living in this hotel. And then the other story is fifty years later, like modern day. There's this journalist who is investigating this mystery around the main character in the 1950s and like what happened in that hotel. Oh, cool! So, yeah, it's super fun so far. It's just like this lovely, lush historical fiction book. So that's The Dollhouse by Fiona Davis and The City in the Middle of the Night by Charlie Jane Anders. Uh, so we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. Uh, Oliva wrote in about our Little Free Libraries episode. I was listening to your episode on Little Free Libraries and walking home from university when I remembered something interesting. We don't have many Little Free Libraries in Sydney. I checked and actually only one. We do have bus stop libraries. Sydney's bus network is packed every day and so full of so many different types of people. When people are finished with their books, they leave them in the bus stop shelter for other people to take. Sometimes they're just stacked on the bench, packed into the frame, or in an actual bookshelf. I love this. I wish Sean was here to read this. I know. (laughs) So we could have had like an actual like Australian authentic accent Mm -hmm. to do this. Mm -hmm. Then we've got two cool wheelhouses. First, Corey's wheelhouse is fairies doing fairy stuff like being cold, mean, vicious, etc. Snarky private investigators. Snarky private investigators who also do magic. (laughs) Fairy tale retellings, particularly Beauty and the Beast, which also our guest enjoys. Mm -hmm. Uh, Romance, where they hate each other, but then they fall in love, which our guest does Does not not enjoy. enjoy. Uh, Magical apprenticeships, I'm sensing a theme here. And sassy female protagonists. And then Kendall's wheelhouse is women of color, fantasy worlds with various wicked cool religions. I'm assuming Kendall must be from Boston. Uh, LG- but, but she put color with a U. Maybe she's from England then, because they say wicked in England. Oh, yeah. 
Interesting. So um, then LGBTQ plus characters that survive at the end of the book. Nice. Mental illness representation, challenging social issues and gender norms, nonfiction graphic novels, mythology, super campy, lighthearted mysteries, characters who are theater nerds. Oh, I like that too. And having the book set in or about a library. Me too. Into that. So you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. If you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month, sign up for our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes, and it's really, really fun. We put it together every month, and we also have an extra recommendation if you want to check that out. And if you're listening to the show on the day it comes out, which is Thursday, the 21st, on this Saturday on the 23rd in downtown Los Angeles, I am screening, doing a screening of Creature from the Black Lagoon with my friend who author David Scow, uh, who wrote The Crow and a bunch of amazing books. He's a great horror writer and helped me a lot with my book. And so we're going to screen the creature or we're going to screen Creature from the Black Lagoon have a conversation about monsters and writing after the movie, and then I'm going to sign a bunch of books. So if you live in Los Angeles and you want to watch Creature from the Black Lagoon with me, come on down. There will be a link in the show notes to the event. So before we talk about Harry Potter, we're going to take a quick break. Hey, Glassers. It's the most exciting weeks of the year for podcasts. It's time for the Maximum Fun Drive. Woo-hoo! It happens only once a year, and it's the best time to sign up as a Max Fun member or upgrade your current membership. Signing up for a monthly membership supports Reading Glasses, but it also supports Maximum Fun and the other great shows on the network. There's a huge range of support levels from as low as $5 a month. Yeah, that's cheaper than buying me a vegan chocolate bar or Mallory a cocktail. Come on, $5, that's nothing. Yeah, so if you sign up during the drive, you get awesome gifts, including an exclusive Reading Glasses enamel pin that's just for Maximum Fun members. Oh my God, it is so cute. We helped design it, which is really exciting. And it says, ask me what I'm reading. And it's exclusive to The Drive. You can't get it anywhere else or any time else. And The Drive is happening right now. It runs for just two weeks. So don't miss it. You'll be missing out on all the cool Pledge Drive gifts. So you head to MaximumFun.org slash donate. And then... Choose your membership level from $5 a month to $200 per month if you are the richest person I've ever met. If you are Scrooge McDuck, (laughs) then you give your credit card along with some other basic information, and that's it. You're a Maximum Fun Drive member. And don't forget to select reading glasses when you're asked for your listener habits. The questions about your listening habits influence how member funds get distributed among the Max Fun shows. So if you select reading glasses, we get a percentage of what you give every month. And your, so your contribution will process automatically each month and renew automatically each year. It's like Netflix, but for your ears, not for your face. And you won't need to do anything else with it unless your credit card information changes or you decide to cancel it. So, folks, thank you so much. We cannot tell you how much we appreciate your support. Stay tuned for the next break. We're going to talk about all of the amazing things we're going to offer for new and upgrading subscribers. This week, we're finally talking about Harry Potter. J.K. Rowling wrote a YA fantasy series starting in the late 90s that basically exploded into the one of the most popular fandoms and media empires ever. So we're going to talk about our own corners of the Harry Potter world. Yeah, because I feel like we, we like hit on Harry Potter most episodes. It comes up and we're like, what about this fan? What about this fandom? What about this book? And like, it just randomly comes up because they're such popular books. Yeah. Um, I'm going to tell you some facts you may not know about Harry Potter. Okay, I'm ready. J.K. Rowling and Harry Potter share a birthday, July 25th. Oh, shocker. Shocker. Um, The Dementors 
are based on J.K. Rowling's dealings with depression after her mother's death. So this one she wrote about them, which I think is really interesting. And there are 700 ways to foul someone in Quidditch. Huh. To foul in Quidditch. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so Bria, we've established that you're a Gryffindor. Mallory, I have to tell you something. <laughs> Did you change again? No, okay. I don't know why. Okay, here's the thing. Here's the thing. The Pottermore thing is, I guess, the definitive one. And? And in Pottermore, I am a Ravenclaw. And I looked it up and I realized I would taken that test long ago. It was Ravenclaw. But other ones come up with different things because there's various other tests. You're- and here's why. So I went, so I was like, people are just going to think I'm flying, flying some sort of false flag over here because I'm just like, whatever you are, I probably am. Or whatever people say I am. But here's what I think happens. Okay, I'm going to explain it. Because there's multiple quizzes. Yes, and but I think Pottermore is like the definitive one. Okay, well, that's the one where I'm a Ravenclaw. But I think here's what I went and took this one quiz that tells you what percentage you are of each house, like the percentages. And I'm a pretty dead even between Ravenclaw, Gryffindor and Hufflepuff because here's why I think I don't mind confrontation. Like I'm pretty I'm brave. That's a Gryffindor. I like will I don't I'm not scared of confrontation. I will. I'm very direct about everything. Yeah, I very I admire that about you a lot because I hate confrontation. I'm do not shy away. I'm not mean. I just I'm not I'm just not. I would rather I don't want to hide things. I just like I'm very direct. But if I had a power, any power, it would be talk to animals. So that's why Hufflepuff keeps coming up because I desperately would love to talk to animals. What do you feel in your heart? And then I like the smell of books. That's always one of the questions is do you what do you like the smell of? And I'm like books. I like the smell of books. What, do, so what do you feel in your heart? What do you, which, which house are you I don't think I'm to? allowed to do that because then I went back to Pottermore and I was no, like, can I, uh, can I retake this test? No, no, no. Hermione got to do that. Hermione, the the uh, how, the uh, uh, sorting hat felt her. She was kind of a Ravenclaw, but he looked into her heart. And, and say, Harry Potter did the same thing. He was like even keel between Slytherin and Gryffindor, but he chose in his heart to be a Gryffindor. What do you feel in your heart? I feel like I'm probably Gryffindor in my heart. You're a Gryffindor. Yeah. See, I, when I started reading Harry Potter, which was before I got a computer, because it was the 90s, I was like, oh, I'm a Ravenclaw, obviously. I like the color blue. I like books. This is my shit. And then I took the quiz, and it was every time I've ever taken it, it's always Ravenclaw. Yeah, I think this is why I'm confused. And people are probably going to be like, that can't be true. They're probably all the You're same. Which Gryffindor. may be true. But I think that I'm just like so, and I think sometimes I've like probably changed my answers, because I'm like, well, this, but also no, this. No, you're a fucking Gryffindor. Okay, well. Take that up with Pottermore because they won't let me retake it. Once you take Whatever. it, once you can't retake Whatever. it with your same email address. All right, so Bria, when did you get into Harry Potter? <laughs> I'm sure angry about this. You were fu- I this is a this is a big deal. Okay, it's a bigger deal to you than it is to me. But okay, so I got into Harry Potter. So in the '90s, I was working at a public library, and the librarian was like, "You know, I think you'd like this." And I hadn't really read any. I mean, YA was just such an unexplored yeah. category. Yeah, it wasn't really a thing yet. I actually remember us creating the YA shelf at my library. Wow. Like, we created it while I was there. So that would have been, like, sometime it, between 97 and 2000. It was just Harry Potter. It was just Harry Potter. No, there was, like, holes and, like... Oh, oh God, I remember yeah. holes. And some other... There was, like... It was, like, a very small shelf, but we had a shelf of YA that we, like, started separating out. Um, So I remember, I remember like, reading it then, because she was like, you're going to like this. And I was like, yes, I do like this. And... Then I remember continuing to read them. The most, what the one I remember the most specifically reading was I was backpacking um, in Europe in college with uh, my friend Catherine, and we found one of them, or I brought one of them, or something, and we both read it, and it was like it really stuck in my head because we were on like 
you know, because you take these trains and I didn't have much money. So it was like, oh, I'll take the cheapest train possible. So it takes 47 hours to get wherever you're trying you to go. You were on the Hogwarts Express. <laughs> Pretty much. And um, I think we left it in a hostel. But anyway, so that's sort of like my relationship with it is I started reading it basically when it came out yeah. um, and continued on with it. Pretty steadily as it came out, I think. I, I think pretty pretty steadily. I probably waited a few years like before reading that one in Europe. Um, what about you? When did you get into Harry Potter? So I have a really interesting like Harry Potter schism. So I got really swept up in the first wave of Harry Potter. When it came out, it was like 97, 98. My grandfather got me the first book as a birthday present. Mm. And he was like, hey, there's this new book series that's really pop- popular in England. And I was like, All right, I would read whatever anyone gave me at that age. And, um, and I was like, oh, my grandpa got me a book for my birthday. And I started, I read the first book and I was completely fucking hooked. And like, I really related to Harry Potter besides like the rich part because I had a bad home life and I like wanted the escapism thing. And so I was one of the kids who like waited for all the new books, first in line. You've been really young though. I, yeah, I was at 97. I, I was born in 90, so I was like seven or eight. Yeah, that's really young. Uh, I was first in line, opening night for the movie. My grandfather built uh, the burrow sign, uh, which is the sign that's in front of the Weasley's house, and put it oh, in front of his house. Wow. But, so, when book six came out, this is when, like, the internet really started being a thing. Fucking internet. And the six, like, I was literally driving with my boyfriend at the time. I was 14, on the way to the bookstore to get book six and we were listening to the radio and it got spoiled. Oh no. Remember the bigs like, you know, yes, Dumb- yes the big like. Can't we not talk about it? Did oh, it- when Dumbledore- I'm sorry, too soon? That came out in like 2000 and what? Like four? <laughs> yeah. It, so it was like I was someone at home was like it didn't come out in 2004 someone's really mad so yeah I was so heartbroken at getting a book spoiled this is the first time in my life I ever got a book spoiled for me oh interesting I wonder if that's why I'm so crazy about spoilers because I was so upset about A getting the book spoiled and B fucking Dumbledore dying I started crying in the car I was so upset wow that I stopped reading them I didn't I we turned the car around I didn't go get it so I stopped what reading what story them. are you going to uh, Barnes and Noble. Hmm. So I didn't go, I didn't, I stopped reading the books. I stopped, I stopped watching the movies and it wasn't until like the very last movie that was coming out when I was like 21, I think it was like part deadly, deadly hallows part two. And I was like, you know what? It's almost over. I don't want to miss it. So I rebought all the books. I read them all. I bought all the other movies and watched them all. And then I took myself to see deadly hallows two with like a box of tissues in my purse. Oh, nice. Cause I knew I was going to fucking cry. Uh-huh. And that's my Harry Potter story. Wow. So a real love-hate relationship. It was the- weird. I came back, though. I okay. came back. So, okay. Bria, what's your favorite Harry Potter book? Oh, people are going to hate me for this. I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> I read them so long ago, and I haven't revisited. But the one that I had in Europe, I think looking back is Order of the Phoenix. I think. Does that one. sound about right? If I that was, sounds like a, a you one. There's a yeah, lot of that's think, when it gets starts to get like the fourth one is the end of the fourth one is when it starts to get dark and like the fifth book is when they're starting they get, they're getting all puberty and like things are getting crazy. Yeah, well, I looked up plot points that I remember from Europe and <laughs> and it was Order of the Phoenix. So I was like, okay, I did like that one a lot. There was that was one I really enjoyed because I think I was like it's that weird like specific time and place for it. Yeah. The rest of them I I remember reading, but I think I was, like, in college or, like, you know, late high school, and I was just sort of, like, reading them kind of on the side. Like, I wasn't probably— You weren't on the Hogwarts Express going through Europe. I I wasn't, (laughs) which is, like, that was the thing that, like, kept me— excited about them what, what about you uh prisoner of azkaban oh yeah for mm-hmm. sure mm-hmm. uh i love werewolves and this is the most werewolfy book because you have professor lupin and you also have Sirius. wow so, so it was many like werewolves. Peep, men changing into dogs and i was so excited about it so all the b stuff is my favorite part of the series if i was in the harry potter world i would be I you said b stuff and i was like b stuff <laughs> the werebees. bees <laughs> 
So is that when you turn into a bee or when a werewolf turns into a bee? It would be when you turn into a bee. Okay. Like I would sprout wings and I would start talking like this. That'd be so spooky. <laughs> so I would, if I was in at Hogwarts, I would totally be taking care of magical creatures. Mm-hmm. I would be marrying Charlie Weasley. Okay, great. I would be best friends with Hagrid. I would just want to take care of magical beasts. I, I have a Hogwarts owl tattooed on my arm. Like that's my, the big, my big owl tattoo is an owl with an envelope in its mouth because I didn't get my Harry Potter owl or I didn't get my Hogwarts owl. So I got one tattooed. And you would, you think you would shoot, you would get owl for your mail delivery? Oh, or for sure. For yes. your, I guess they all get mail delivery that yes. way. But I would I would have a pet owl. I would just want all the magical beasts. That's like all I want. I want to be Mrs. Charlie Weasley. Yeah. So who's your favorite characters? Speaking of characters. Oh my God. I mean, I like I like Luna Lovegood. She was a real standout. Because you like quirky blondes. She was like quirky blonde. That's you. She was weird. I liked her. I mean, more in the book than in the movie. I remember seeing her in the movie and being like, okay. Like, I thought she was good, but not like, also I was probably like a little older then. Yeah. Like, you know, so it was less like, I related to her less because I was like, she's a child and I'm an adult. <laughs> um, I like all those red-haired children. The Weasleys. I like all those children. I like all the, I like that whole situation. I like the whole situation, but I do get the books and the movies mixed up character-wise because I'm like, oh, I like that person. Then I'm like, wait, did I like them in the book or did I like them in the movie? Because I like, I, yeah, and I like animals. Like I'm a big animal person, so I like Hagrid. I like um, I want Hagrid I like to Dobby. Hug me. You know, like I like those kind of things where like I'm like into the. You want to know a really funny story about Alan? Yes. When I get really stressed out, he calls me Mobby because he's like, "You look like a little Mallory Dobby because you're so stressed out <laughs> with your like sad big eyes." And he's like, I'll like curl up on him on the couch after a long day of working, and he's like, "Oh, is Mobby sad?" <laughs> it's really weird. Is that your favorite character? What are your favorite characters? So. As a weirdo Ravenclaw, I'm obviously also a big fan of Lou and Lovegood, but I'm Hermione. Like, I am a Hermione for, like, through and through. If you, if Hermione and Luna Lovegood, like, had a lesbian child, mm-hmm. it would be me. Yeah. Like, I am, like, everything she says, I'm like, even when she's being, like, very hermione I'm like, I totally relate. That's how I, that's how I navigate situations. Yeah, because she's, like, I mean... Yeah, she, yeah. Keep going. She's me. Uh, like so, and I love Professor McGonagall. In oh yeah, serious. So basically, in the book or the movie, both. Okay. So basically, anyone who's really organized and nerdy, or turns into an animal, sure. one of the two, or both. That's that's what I like. Yeah, I'm big. I mean, that was the thing is that I I do love the animal aspect, and I just like the magic. That sounds so basic, but I know people are there for the relationships and stuff. I'm, oh, I'm kind of there for the magic. I'm there for the motherfucking dragons. Yeah, and werewolves flying around on the on the broomsticks and shit. Yeah, for real. So, have you ever read any read any of the ancillary books? No, I don't think so. Because isn't the main one just a script? It's the yeah. It's the it's the um the play. Yeah, play. What's the? It's a, it's uh yeah. It's a cursed child. Yeah, but what's the word for a play? Just play. Yeah, it's just it's, it's the, just the script of the play. Yeah, but there's also like. The Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. But that's just like a textbook, right? Yeah, but she wrote them all. Yeah, I don't think, I think, I mean, people are going to hate this who are really into Harry Potter, but like, I could see myself getting like some sort of art book or something, but it's hard for me to get excited about getting a textbook for some reason. I don't know why. I think. You don't want to learn more about those magical creatures? I mean, I do like them, and I will say, I've enjoyed the ancillary movies. I Well, I didn't see the most recent one. I didn't see any of them. I liked Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them because it was lots of cute little animals. I just want to see those little animals running around. Get those those people. Get those wizards out of here. Get those out. Get rid of those wizards. Give me more magical animals. (laughs) Can we just get Harry Potter without Harry Potter? Can we just get the magical animals, please? That would be, like, yeah, just magical animals and where to find magical, more magical animals. Oh, That's yeah. all I want. I just want griffins. Yeah. I want all of them. Yeah. 
I the yeah, I I'm into those too. I did, I did read Magical Ma, uh, Magical Beast and Where to Find Them. Uh, I read some of the ancillary stuff, oh. but I didn't see the movies, and I haven't read the Cursed Child because I just I felt the same way. I don't really care about like I love Harry Potter, but I'm not like some people. You see Harry like if you say Harry Potter they, from they will come from five miles away. Yes. Well, you and I both went to Harry Potter with our world. With, yes, with our. Friend Cassandra. Yes, who is like that. And who it was is like that. And amazing to go to Harry Potter, even though it was 110 degrees. We were, it was, y'all, it was a hundred, it was the hottest it's ever been in LA. For some reason, we went that one day and it was 110 degrees and there's very little shade. Yes. I we had were to, dying. Yeah. And I'm in all black with my giant Morticia mm-hmm. Adams hat and a SPF 100. Yeah. And you know what? She was still soaked, stoked. It didn't matter how yeah. hot it was because she loves Harry Potter so it was much. Ho- it was Hogwarts in her heart. It was. She loved it so much regardless of how hot it was. And at some point we were just like, we got to go home. It's too hot. Like we cannot handle this. And she was still stoked. But it was still fun. We got butterbeer. We yeah. got vegetarian Hogwarts food. Yeah. We went on the Harry Potter ride twice. It was really cool, the Harry Potter ride. The second one wasn't that good though. That Hog- the, the Hagrid ride. Oh, yeah. That It was like a kid. It was like a little kid ride. Me and Alan waited, like went and got on it and it was like... 15 seconds and we were like oh i think this is for little kids oh i don't think i got on that one yeah but and we went we looked in all the little stores the little stores are cool yeah we had a great it time it's pretty cool it's pretty cool and i will say like it was like it did like satisfy that magic thing where yeah. i was like i just want something kind of magical like that it satisfied that for me for sure oh absolutely i just wish it was like 50 degrees colder because it is weird to be in Hogwarts and like this fake snow everywhere and we can barely breathe because it's 110 degrees. It felt, it was oppressive. The heat was pressing down on (laughs) my head and it felt like for some reason I had sandbags all all over me. It was horrible. We're not actually exaggerating. It was 110 degrees that day. Yeah, and it's never that hot in LA and no one's prepared for it and people are just like, we don't need any sort of covering in this entire place. It's never as hot here. And yeah. And it was funny because we played 20 questions while we were in line. Because the first ride, we had to wait for an hour. Yeah, that's right. And we tried to play 20 questions, but with Harry Potter stuff. And I kept picking very obvious things. <laughs> and Alan would guess it. And I'd be like, oh, my love, how did you know? <laughs> and you and Cassandra were like, Mallory, <laughs> picking the most obvious you stuff. You just picked Harry Potter. <laughs> and we're playing Harry Potter 20 questions. <laughs> the answer is always Harry Potter. Uh, so you can send your thoughts on Harry Potter to Reading Glasses Podcast at gmail.com. And before we talk to, the, to the, uh, one of the hosts of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text, we're going to take a quick break. Hey, Glassers. Your support is one of the key parts of making Reading Glasses. Have you ever been like, damn, I wish I could buy those ladies a cup of coffee or in Bria's case, a cup of decaf tea. <laughs> maybe, maybe just a snack. What about a nice snack? Maybe a cocktail for me. Not maybe. like a wicked expensive one. Yeah, but yeah. Like, you know, like an old-fashioned at, like, happy hour. Exactly. Well, guess what? Now's your chance to do that just for reading glasses. The Maximum Fun Drive is happening right now. It happens only once a year, and it's the best time to sign up as a MaxFun member or upgrade your membership. Signing up for a monthly membership helps us make reading glasses, and there's a huge range of levels, as low as $5 a month. And if you sign up during the drive, you get awesome gifts, including an exclusive reading glasses pin that's just for Maximum Fun members. Yeah, it's really super cute. We helped design it. It won't be available any other time. It's enamel, which means it is cool looking. Yes, and you can put on your jean jacket and be extra cool. And the $20 level reward is an amazing puzzle. And the $35 level award is a wicked cool mug. Yeah. Okay. So, but what about for reading glasses specifically? We're counting the number of people who renew or upgrade or just join for the first time. All of our members 
What are we doing for those? Because we're doing something special for each level. Yes. So for 500 new people, we're going to do an extra newsletter every month with more book recommendations. And But all those book recommendations are going to come with a snack and a cocktail pairing. Guess who's doing which? Uh, Guess who is doing which? And at 750, so if we get 750 people who say, I like reading glasses, I'm going to give some money every month. We're going to do a live streamed book club because people seem to really like those. And <laughs> if we get 1,000 new people, we're going to do a live streamed readathon, which is going to be fun. But we are going to do an extra special thing where you get to vote. You, the listener, get to vote on a romantic novel that Sean will do a read aloud from. Okay. You get a <laughs> sultry Australian read aloud that you get to vote on. Yeah. Very exciting. Um, at 12.50, what's going to happen, Mallory? Uh, we're going to do a Reading Glasses live event, so that's exciting for all the Southern California listeners. And there'll be an extra section of the monthly newsletter with anticipated books. We're going to do books that are coming out the next month, so you can put them on your library holds list or pre-order them and know what cool books are coming out. Okay, and we're going to keep going. So if we get up to 1,500 subscribers... Um, we will Skype into five random subscribers book clubs, me and Mallory, which will be really fun. You know you want us in your book club. We'll read the book and talk about it with you. That's super cool. <laughs> okay, what happens at 2,000? Uh, we're going to do a monthly recommendation bonus episode. So you'll get a bonus reading glasses every month with book recommendations, new content from guests in that episode, and... I have to read the Bible. Mallory has to read the Bible Mallory, start to finish. Mallory has to read Not the out loud. Bible. She just has to read it start to finish, and she'll give us updates. Yeah. Yeah. And then finally at 2250, 2250, if we get that many new upgrading people who are subscribing to our podcast through MaximumFun.org slash donate, we're going to do a drunken erotica read aloud. A drunken erotica read aloud. We sure are. <laughs> <laughs> The MaxFun subscriber support makes it easier for us to put out reading glasses every week. It's not easy to do, and it's really exciting when we get to see all of your support come in. Seriously, after last year when we got we started getting oh my God, supported it was amazing. every month, that's why we've been able to get bigger guests, have cooler shows. There's so much that we get to do and also help feed our cats. I have so many. Mallory has so many cats. I think she's up to 75. I, 75 cats. And Bria has this new dog now, and she really <laughs> likes treats. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I think it's, what, 11 hours of work per episode we put into the show between me, you, and Sean. Yeah. It's a lot of work, and and that doesn't even include all the organizing that we have to do outside of everything. So so many spreadsheets. We, so many spreadsheets. We do love doing the show, and we want to continue to do the show, and we can continue to do the show with your support. And we know these kind of things are really annoying. I always hate when I have to listen to other people talk about this kind of stuff. And now I'm on the other end, and I'm just saying— we just need your support, and we love our fans, and we know you love us back. So for very little a month, you can help us out and help and us make And you get a, a bunch of cool stuff. You yeah. get all the cool Maximum Fun things on all the different levels, like the pin, the mug, the puzzle. Then you get your reading glasses rewards. Like, maybe I'll finally find Jesus. Who knows? <laughs> Also, we're talking about doing a drunken erotica episode. So if we get enough supporters, we will get drunk and read erotica out loud on the internet. You know you want this. Between that and Jesus, this is going to be the best fun drive ever. Thank you so much for your support. So here we are with podcaster Vanessa Zoltan. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. What are you reading right now? 
Oh, such a good question. I am currently reading Daisy Johnson's book, Everything Under, her novel. And then I am reading, listening to Elisa Klepas romance novel called Suddenly You. Oh, nice. Yes. So can you tell us a little bit about your podcast, Harry Potter and the Sacred Text? Yeah. So we are current. Well, I'm also reading book five of the Harry Potter series. Of course. Because um, we are going through the Harry Potter books chapter by chapter. And uh, for those of you who are curious, there are 199 chapters in the Harry Potter series. And we are treating each chapter as if it was sacred, as if it was like our Friday night or Sunday morning liturgy. And um, so every episode of the podcast, we treat a different chapter as if it was sacred. And we're about exactly halfway into the Order of the Phoenix. And so shit's getting real in at Hogwarts. <laughs> That's a great like subtitle for your podcast. <laughs> shit's getting real at, at Hogwarts. Yeah, it's... um. That is not one of the things we say most frequently. We do talk a lot about the failed pedagogy at Hogwarts. Um, and Hogwarts is just like not a place anywhere sh- anyone should go to school. It is a terrible school. Um, <laughs> it's very dangerous. Lots of bad things happen there. So many people, so many children die or get like seriously injured all the time. Um, and so, yeah, it's a place to practice. We say that practice treating something easy as sacred so that we can treat one another as sacred because humans are difficult. And so it's hard, right? Like any sort, any religion is going to talk about loving your neighbor as if you, they were, uh, as you love yourself. And that's a simple idea, but it's really difficult to do. People are jerks and it's in our natures to misunderstand one another. And and so we think by treating characters that are easy to love, like uh, the characters in Harry Potter, as if they were sacred and to practice empathy on them and to practice patience with them and loving them, we can get better at doing it um, to one another. It's awesome. So how long have you guys been Harry Potter fans and what made you decide to start this podcast? Yeah, so I read Harry Potter for the first time um, about 10 years ago. I was really late to the party, and it was because the guy I was dating at the time was a big Harry Potter fan, and so we agreed to swap. He would read Jane Eyre, and I would read the first Harry Potter books. And um, and and then I, I read all seven because I, obviously I couldn't put them down. It's like crack, and I really like I liked them a lot, but they – I was just like a little old when they came out and, you know, just like wasn't my thing. And so when I, I started at Harvard Divinity School, I was really interested in treating secular things as if they were sacred and what that could look like. Um, and so I asked my favorite professor if she could teach me how to pray using a secular text. And I picked my favorite book, Jane Eyre. And so we spent um, about six months trying to figure out what that means. And um, part of it means uh, treating something as sacred requires a community. Um, Books are sacred because communities gather and say that they are sacred. And so Stephanie said to me eventually, you know, you have to go find a community. And I was an assistant chaplain at a local congregation at the time. So I sent out a newsletter saying, Tuesday nights, 7 to 8.30, I'm going to treat Jane Eyre as if it was sacred. Join me if you'd like. And it went out to a couple thousand people and four amazing women came and they came every week. It was 
uncanny. It was the winter that Boston, where I'm based in Boston, got over a hundred inches of snow. And for some reason it always snowed on Tuesdays and like everything <laughs> would be shut down. The tea would be shut down and it was walking distance for me. So I was like, I'll go and like, you guys can come or not, but like no pressure. And every week everybody came. And then one week my friend Casper came and, you know, just to like be supportive. He had never read Jane Eyre and but, he, you know, he was just supportive of this experiment. And he turned to me afterwards. And the electricity didn't work that night in the room we were using. And so we were sitting there in the dark after. And he was like, this is really cool what you're up to. But I think it would be even cooler if we did it with a book that people actually liked to read. <laughs> that, that's mean. What, I just got really defensive. I was like, what book, Casper? And he was like, well, the Harry Potter series. And I was like, oh, that's. A much better idea um and we sent the same email out over the same newsletter list and about 80 people came wow and I will say that it was on a Wednesday night and not a Tuesday night so who knows if Harry Potter is more popular than Jane Eyre or if Wednesday nights are just better for people but <laughs> um and yeah and so I this is now my fourth time through the books and they really hold up to scrutiny. I mean, like, the more time you spend with these books, the more gifts it reveals of itself. They're they're really incredible. And so I consider it a great gift that I've, you know, sort of been forced to read my way back through them again and again. Because they're, they're, I don't know if you guys know this, but the Harry Potter books are really good. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you feel like you've learned doing this podcast? Um, what? Oh, gosh. Uh, so much. I think that the thing that I have learned most, um, is how much people see themselves in these characters. Um, we get, you know, like a lot of people really identify as Slytherins, for example. And like, it is part of their identity to an extent that you know, that like their hair or right, like they see it absolutely as a formative part of their identities. And that's been like a confusing thing to wrap my head around, right? Because I think of other things as part of our identities, but not things that I see as choices, right? Like it is a choice to decide whether you're Slytherin or Hufflepuff. Um, but people identify with these books in a way that is really, um, interesting and lovely and can be obsessive, but tends to be pretty generative in their lives. Um, and so, yeah, that's been, you know, the most exciting thing about it to me. And I, I think that, I think that I would not do as good of a job leading a podcast, um, or wider community around Jane Eyre because, I love it so much and I think I would like want to die on certain hills that because Harry Potter obviously means a great deal to me now but I have a little bit less skin in the game which I think is really important um, when engaging with such passionate fans of the books. So you think wait so are you a bigger fan of Jane Eyre and those books than Harry Potter or do oh, you no. not want to say on the spot? Oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. I, but not – not because I think that they are better, right? Like, 
I read Jane Eyre when I was 14 and my mom gave it to me for my 14th birthday and like whispered to me that like it was her favorite book when she was my age, right? Like (laughs) there's so much sentiment involved in why we love the books that we love. Um, And I like read the Harry Potter books for the first time because some boy told me to. Um, In 15 years when I'm not working on this podcast anymore, I guarantee you that I will be talking so fondly about the Harry Potter series and like it, you know, and I, and I love it now. So I think it has become a huge part of my identity, but no, right. Like, don't we all feel differently? Like I still think that the Berenstain Bears is one of my favorite books, <laughs> right? Like the thing we run as children, right. Get written in, onto our hearts in different ways. And I just came to these books later. Yeah, absolutely. I think that it it definitely makes a big difference when you come to things. Yeah. And so I love them, but it's just different. So tell us about your reading life. Do you have any reading quirks you want to share? Yeah. Um, I'm a huge listener of books. I was actually thinking today that I might I might be a library criminal. Oh. I have an overdrive account for every city I've ever lived in. You are like the Al Capone of library books. This is amazing. It like literally just occurred to me today. I was like, it's messed up that I still use my Brooklyn library card. I haven't lived there for eight years. But if it has an audiobook becoming available faster than the Cambridge Public Library system, I'm going to use that. Um, I have a lot of respect for that, just so you know. Lots okay, good. <laughs> not I'm not going to talk to librarians about this they will will be upset I know a lot of librarians and I have a feeling they are going to be against this I am very good about letting go of holds once I have another copy of a book like I am I'm very good about that but yeah I'm an obsessive audiobook um listener from the library and I I hoard audiobooks through my audible account um because those will always be there and I have to listen to the library audiobooks quickly because they get sucked from your phone. And so I just have like 30 books on my Audible account that I haven't listened to that I don't know. I'm like saving for a day where there are no books at the library. I have no idea. I should have an <laughs> Audible account. Um, and then depending on the book, the real cheat that I do is that depending on the book, I'll listen at two times speed. Um, two times? Oh, that's impressive. That's fast. Yeah. So it's bad because I don't – anyway – um, but m- most books I would say I listen at 1.25, but you know, the, the right kind of romance novel, you can definitely listen at two times speed. <laughs> I just imagine a sex scene, but it's really fast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't ju- you don't judge me. I won't judge you. Okay. No, I, I, I listen to my audiobooks at 1.25 as well. And my partner thinks I'm insane. <laughs> it's, I think that people sound weird now at one point speed. I'm like, Ooh. Um, but, and then the genre that I would say I'm almost always reading, I happen to not be right now, but I'm always reading a feminist memoir. Like I just finished Jessica Valenti's sex object. Before that I did Michelle Obama's new memoir. Before that I did Lindy West Shrill. Before that, like, I am just always reading a woman talking about how awesome she is. Hell yeah. (laughs) That's what's up. And then I have some like really weird quirks. Like once a year, I read a thriller or mystery, but like only once a year. 
And I don't know why I make myself do it. I, it makes me unhappy, but I do. Tell us a little bit about your reader wheelhouse, which is we defined as we define it as like anything that you're like, I will absolutely read a book about this thing if I see it, besides yeah. Harry Potter, obviously. Yeah, like tropes or any subject or trope. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I will read any rewrite of a Jane Austen book. Sure. Um, I love them all. Um, I I will actually – I will read any – I love reimaginings. Daisy Johnson's book that I'm reading right now is a reimagining of – I actually don't want to spoil for people which um, Greek myth, but it is a retelling of a Greek myth. And I love – like I love the Penelopod by Margaret Atwood, which is a retelling of the Odyssey from Penelope's point of view. I love The Flight of Gemma Hardy, which is a rewrite of Jane Eyre. Like I love – what it really is, and I think this is why I love romance novels, I love knowing what's going to happen. Um, it takes the pressure off for me. Um, I I don't have to be as worried, and I can enjoy the ride. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I love retellings, and I will, I will basically read any retelling. Um, and then what else will I read anything? I My favorite romance trope is Friends to Lovers. Um, and so I will read that anytime. I hate enemies to lovers. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, I'll read like any feminist memoir that comes out. It's, I, yeah, one got announced today and I requested it from three different libraries to be ordered on ebook. <laughs> Wait, I have to ask, how many library cards are you hold, are you hoarding? Well, one, what are you talking about? <laughs> All right, fair, fair, fair. I I I only have four right now. <laughs> I'm moving towns. This is why it occurred to me. I'm moving on July 1st from Cambridge, Massachusetts to Medford, Massachusetts, and they are three miles from each other, but they are part of different library systems. And this was the most exciting revelation about my new apartment to me. I was like, I'm going to be able to order from another library. <laughs> and I was like, that's sick. I'm like moving in with my partner and he has in, in unit laundry. There should be more exciting things. In the <laughs> no, we are with you. That is the thing to get excited about. Thank you. Yeah. I'm among friends here. So Vanessa, where can we find you online and where can we listen to your podcast? Yeah. So you can listen. We actually have two podcasts. So we have here. We actually, that's a lie. We have three podcasts. We have Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. Then we have the women of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text, where we focus on a different female character in the Harry Potter series. And then we have a podcast coming out May 21st called Hot and Bothered, where we talk about writing romance novels as a sacred practice. Um, and so you can find all of those sort of wherever you find your podcasts, we're everywhere. We're part of PRX and, um, and Night, Night Vale Presents. So we're really everywhere. Um, and yeah, I, I just, if you, I have my own website, VanessaZoltan.com, where you can read about all the work I do. And I'm on Twitter. I love Twitter. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. This is like the best nerdiest conversation I've had in a while. Yay. <laughs> Now it's time to solve a bookish problem from one of our listeners. Kayla writes in, I have many signed books from authors I have met throughout my life, including Ray Bradbury. I've read them all, some multiple times, and I notice that some of them are fairly valuable. How do I know which signed books I should sell or keep? And if I do sell them, where and when would be the best time to do that? Bria, what should Kayla do? I mean, I think it depends on, like, how broke you are. Yeah. You know? Like, no. I mean, okay. <laughs> if it has value to you, 
and you look at the price, I think you know when you want to sell it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think thinking about value in a way instead of like, what is this worth? Like, what is this worth to me? Yeah. Which is more important. I think um, like so if you have it on display in your house or you like the bragging rights of open having it or you it feels like you just like having it on your shelf. There's certain things that like I look at my shelf and I'm like, yeah, I like to be a person who owns that book. Yeah. But if it's a book you don't really care about that much and you don't enjoy it, sell that book. Yeah. Sell it. Sell it. What, what about you? Uh, yeah, I think it, first off, it really depends on whether or not you care about signed books. I'm very weird in the way that I don't care about signed books. I felt bad. I dated a guy in college and he got me a, san- a signed Anne Rice book. Why? Wow. And I, I almost said why. That, not why. But wow. he, and he was so proud of himself. And I was like, oh, thank you so much. But I just like, I was excited about the book, but I just like, it's, I don't, and I cannot even articulate why, but I don't, just don't care that much about signed books. So, but if it makes you happy, like if you're someone who likes collecting or displaying signed books, keep them. And if not, if you're like me, me like I have some I have a very small amount of very special signed books and one of them was is a signed Ray Bradbury hardcover illustrated by Ralph Steadman and it is very very it is very expensive it was a gift and like it looks really cool so that's like a a special thing uh but I don't really care about them otherwise it's not something I'm gonna seek out like I never go to signings or anything so uh like I'm the kind of person I remember once me and your brother Zane went to a Mary Roach talk and then we left after this like during the signing and he was like don't you want to get your book signed and I was like no I got what I came here for. I watched Mary Roach speak. Yeah. So, uh, but it, so if you're but like. Because part of the signing is a little bit of like the interaction with the author. Then I'm, you're like, I don't you like get to that. go and talk to them and be like, oh, hi, I get to speak with you I and like, I like your work. I feel weird, too, too weird about that. I don't no. like doing that. Okay. Um, but if not, if you are like me and you want to sell those books, you can check online. There's a, there's a lot of sites that do this. One's uh, called Abe Books. I'll put a link in the show notes. And you can see the value of a, of that, like an, an estimated market value of that signed book. And then you can sell them at a specialty bookstore or a signed book website like that Abe's Books. Uh, or eBay, obviously, is a big one. There's a bookstore in LA called Mystery Peer Books, and it only sells signed first editions. Wow. So the entire is sort of it's like half bookstore, but mo- it's like like a museum because everything's behind glass because there's nothing there for less than a thousand dollars. Right, right, right. It's crazy. They're like, don't get your grubby hands on these signed editions. Oh yeah, and then he has like pictures of all like his celebrity clients. So it's like a bunch of like pictures of him and like Johnny Depp with like a bunch of signed books that Johnny Depp. <laughs> so it's real. It's cool to go. Like I've gone multiple times just to, and he's the guy is really nice and he will talk to you and like. Even though he, he like looks at me and goes, "You are clearly not here to buy a five thousand dollar copy of Shirley Jackson's Haunting of Hill House that's been signed," but he'll like talk to you and stuff, so it's really cool. But like, just look for a place like that. Yeah, like do some do some do some googling. Yeah. So if you want us to solve your reader problem, send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. As always, we want to thank Danielle and Kathy, who run our Facebook group, and Chrissy and Rachel, who moderate our Goodreads page. Remember that you can buy Reading Glasses tote bags and shirts and bookmarks in the Maximum Fun store. Always a link in the show notes. If you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. It's really great for us. It helps us reach more listeners. It helps us get more guests. It makes us super happy. We we do occasionally check them and we read the five-star ones and we save them to read on the show. Really makes our day. And you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at readinggpodcast, on Instagram at readingglassespodcast. And you can always follow along on our bookish adventures using the general hashtag readingglassespodcast. If you want to help us make the show... This is we're, this is the maximum fun drive. It is. It's time for the maximum fun drive. So 
Please, please go give money to the Maximum Fun Drive. It helps us. It helps other podcasts. It helps Maximum Fun to put out this podcast. They do a ton of work behind the scenes and to make this podcast happen. There are so many. There are many people whose jobs rely on the fact that we get money every month. Yeah, this po- there's so many podcasts that you get to listen to for free, but there are so there's so many hours of work and manpower behind every single show and every single episode, and all of your support means so so much to us. And we're looking forward to all the crazy rewards. That we have, I mean, don't you guys want to listen to Bria being drunk, listening or Bria being drunk and reading you erotica? Yep. So thank you for listening and thanks, thanks for, for reading. reading. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.